Welcome to the Quantum Biology Collective Podcast, where we break down the practical strategies of this emerging science, starting with healthy light habits and going wherever the quantum superhighway takes us. This is your host, Meredith Oak, and we'd also love to hear from you. Visit www.quantumbiologycollective.org and click QBC newsletter to join the conversation. In this episode, we're doing something a little different and airing an interview that the lovely Dr. Kelly Ritter of the Nourished Soul podcast did with yours truly. We talk about my journey to learning about light and discuss some of the key aspects of a circadian lifestyle. We've had lots of requests to cover the basics and Kelly does a beautiful job of going over everything. Enjoy. Welcome, Meredith. I'm so excited to have you on the show to talk with you. Um, I'm enjoying getting to know you a little bit through the Quantum Biology Collective. So to be able to hear more about your story and just talk to you, I'm super grateful. Thank you. I'm really happy to have you here. I really enjoy your energy. And every time you come on a call, it really brightens things up and you have a lot of wisdom and insight to share. And I'm delighted to hang out with you. I appreciate that. Um, I'm loving it. I love, I love the calls. I love the content. So I think it's, you know, it's just amazing. So I really want to hear about like your life before quantum, like what were you doing and, and kind of what was happening and how is it that you started the quantum quantum TV and quantum collective bio, I mean, the quantum biology collective but it probably makes more sense to talk about what brought you to quantum in the first place. Sure. Um, so maybe you just start wherever you want in terms of your life before quantum and what was going on for you. And then we'll see where we go. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's, it's kind of funny that I am where I am in some ways, what I'm doing as the founder of the quantum biology collective makes a lot of sense because I'm drawing on different experiences and capacities that I built up over time. Uh, and then, but in many ways, it makes no sense. Like I wake up and I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> How did I get here? Yeah. Um, but it, I got here. I mean, I think that the simplest answer is that at, at a certain point in my life, which I would say was my, in my early thirties, mm-hmm. I somehow decided to just hand my life over to my intuition and not to that part of our minds that wants to plan everything and make it fit in boxes. Um, That decision was made for me out of necessity because I didn't fit in any boxes. I would always like do this and then do that and be here and then be there. And I I didn't, you know, make sense to people or to myself. So that sort of started me on a journey to um, find a way to live that did make sense to me. And some of the some of the work that I had to do was sort of reining in some behaviors that were like really making my life a roller coaster. And some of the work was coming to a place of acceptance that I'm not a person who's going to follow a predetermined track and tick the boxes as I go along, um, at least in terms of sort of what I do um, you know, professionally or with my time. Mm-hmm. Um, in other ways, I, I am definitely a person who did that. I got married and, um, my mm-hmm. husband and I have three children. Mm-hmm. We lived all over the world, um, 
for his job, we, when my kids were one and three, we moved to Hong Kong and lived there for five years. Uh, my third mm-hmm. child from there. Then we moved to yeah. France. Uh, we lived just outside of Paris for four years. Um, and then we got, we're Canadian and now we're in the U.S. So we've really, <laughs> and even within the U.S., I've lived in my 20s, I lived on the West Coast. I'm now in the Northeast. We lived in the South for a little bit. We lived in the Midwest for a little bit. Um, a little, I just like to collect experiences, which mm-hmm. kind of ends up putting you a little bit outside of the culture. So you see things um, from a slightly different perspective when you're mm-hmm. constantly a newcomer to the culture that you're in. Right. Um, and how that relates is that when I started to feel unwell, <laughs> yeah. Um, which was for me, chronic fatigue, uh, started, um, when I was living in Hong Kong, I think Mm -hmm. I was, uh, unconsciously making a lot of very bad choices in -hmm. terms of circadian biology, especially, Mm -hmm. um, lived in a high rise. I was inside a lot. My light bulbs were terrible. I was on screens all the time. I didn't, um, you know, there was a lot of things, uh, I think there were a lot of seed oils in the food that I didn't think about, like, you know, just like so many so different many things. Yeah. Um, everyone wants like that smoking gun, like what caused the chronic fatigue? There's like so many factors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got pregnant, which made it all worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, um, did a lot of things, you know, probably mm-hmm. a lot of your audience has you know, would think to do when you have a condition where your doctor's like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Your labs are fine. You're fine. Right. And yeah, you're in this area where you're like the medical system's like, well, you're not sick enough for us to do anything, but life is impacted on a day-to-day basis in really critical ways. So I went down, I did, um, you know, I worked with a lot of amazing people. We did, I did worked with naturopaths and nutrition Mm -hmm. people, and I did supplements and cleanses and all kinds of stuff that helped. It was good, but I just couldn't crack. I just couldn't get rid of that feeling of overwhelming fatigue that was not solved by sleeping. Right. Like it's just, it would just be like multiple times a day. I would have to like lie down. I was, I would do like four minute naps. Like I would like lie down and just like feel my body shut down and then I lie there for like three minutes and then I could get back up and keep going. Um, With three little kids. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just taking that in. And, and were you still in Asia or are you back in the United States? So at this point, we so I started to I started to see practitioners when I was in Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Um, mm-hmm. there's a really large expat community there. So they were all um, you know, American or British or English, English speaking people. I also saw traditional Chinese medicine. Sure. Acupuncture, of course. I was. Sure, you're there. Yeah, <laughs> they were yeah. there. They were obviously there. Some wonderful people, and and like I said, it all helped. Mm-hmm. But it couldn't move the needle, and the yeah. far enough to really feel like, okay, I can get up in the morning and live my life. Ooh. And I would still do all the things. So it was like I would like mm-hmm. pour all my energy into like going on a ski trip or doing a certain thing, and then I'd just be like wiped out, wiped. And so people didn't know. Like I never, if you talk to my friends from that time they they might not even have known because I can't think of anything more boring to talk about than how tired you are all the time it's <laughs> just not that fun yeah well just and really myself, you're doing it. all the things 
to try and make it better. So you feel like it, it should be better. And so you just keep, and as a mother and a wife, and were you working also, were you able to work there? Or? Yeah, I did. I was working very part-time, but I was doing uh, executive coaching. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> my goodness. Okay. So something had to give. Yes. And yeah. so the, the, like when, what my experience was that sort of putting my focus on alternative health or integrative health or whatever you want to call it, uh-huh. um, the overwhelming sort of feedback that comes from that community is to manage your food. Right. right? It's right. all, it's the answers are all in there. And mm-hmm. if that's not working, it's because I'm not doing it properly. Yeah. Right? Like, and no one's, you know, I was trying to think, I'm like, did everyone, did anyone actually ever say that to me? Like, no, they didn't. But that was the feeling, you know, like you read all the blogs about like being in ketosis and doing all this and doing all that. And like, there's just, no matter what I was doing, there was always something more. It's like, okay, well I'm doing this. Oh, but I could be doing that. Oh, but I could, you know? And so, um, because I had done a lot of work previously to like catch myself when I was falling into, into, you know, thinking patterns that weren't, leading anywhere. I was like, I don't think this is, this is working. And I don't think it's me, right? Like I think something is missing, but I don't know. I don't know what it is, but if, if micromanaging my food was going to work, it, it would work. It would work. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and on top of that is I don't like, I'm not a food person. I like yeah. to eat, but I don't like, I don't like I have, yeah. Um, I found out when I was like 40 that I have ADHD, the girl kind where you're just like, yeah. anyway, it's like a whole thing, but like detail, managing details, micros, macros, and how many grams, like yeah. it was like, I can't, I can't. And I had this moment in my kitchen, um, in France, I had ordered a spiralizer. Oh, right. Tune my zucchini into spaghetti. Yeah. And I was like staring at this thing and I was like. I do not want to use it. <laughs> and I remember there was like this blog that were like, you turn zucchini into spaghetti. Your kids will love it. I'm like, they will not love it. Yeah. <laughs> like, will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I had this moment where I was like, okay. And then I, um, I just turned everything off and sat with myself in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. It's another thing when you move around a lot, you do get a lot of alone time because nobody knows you. So you're not expected anywhere you're new. So I had a lot of introspective time at this moment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have listened to so many things and read so many things. Like there must be a clue somewhere that I missed or that I wasn't ready for. And now I'm ready. So let's like, and I, I sat there, I got really quiet and I flashed to an interview that I had seen and watched and digested, but not really yeah. fully understood. Right. And it was Dr. Jack Cruz talking about the importance of light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's and the key that just opened the door. Right. And it's like, you know, this problem from all the work you've done when people are ready and the right yeah. message that's appears, it. it's like, and that's what happened. I went back and rewatched it mm-hmm. and it was like, Oh, <laughs> um, and then that started me down the rabbit hole. Woo, that's quite, I mean, I just, as a mother, I'm just thinking about how tired we all are 
with young kids doing all the things anyway, and to deal with chronic fatigue for, you know, on top of, of all of the things that you were doing in other countries with different, I mean, just the layers, Meredith, just really are remarkable. And yes, you're right. When, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, the information appears. And I was similar in terms of, um, I was interested in mitochondria and was trying, I was, I was taking it in, I thought, and trying to digest it, but I didn't really get it until I started understanding light. I think um, that was, it's just the the key to the yeah. front door. And yeah. sometimes we got to walk all the way around the barn by <laughs> the front door. And we're like, oh, the front door. Yeah. You know, and as a practitioner, I've always and told my students too, like, you might see the front door, but you can't, if you just try to take your client or your patient or whatever to the straight to the front door before they're ready, they don't see it. E- they're not going to stay. It's not going to stick. It's a, you just have to companion the, them for as long as it takes till they see the front door. Yeah. And then you just offer them the key if they'd like. And, and there you go. So I appreciate that so much too, because I heard yesterday when you're like, I wanted to find something that wasn't food. I was like, well, I need to ask Meredith, like, what was, like, I was already trying the food thing. I'm not spiralizing any more vegetables. I've got to figure (laughs) out something else is missing here. And so I really love that. I appreciate that a lot um, that you were in that place. And I also really appreciate about that story that you got quiet and Mm -hmm. just, I think we spend a lot of time trying to find the answers outside of ourselves. I know I do that instead of just getting quiet and going inward and letting something bubble up. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's so true. Cause like there, there is so much in there and I'm, I'm going to guarantee that anyone who listens to the nourished soul podcast is somebody (laughs) who has put a lot in there and yeah like who knows what messages are waiting to come up when we need them right right and I think the other piece that has always been really um, key for me my dad used to say never 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 give up and Mm -hmm. I feel like there's so many times where I'm like, oh, can we, I just don't feel like doing another thing. I'm, I'm doing all the things. Why don't I feel better? <laughs> and to, to realize that, you know, actually I have an experience with my 17 year old, maybe even a couple of weeks ago where he was like, I'm just done. Like, I don't want to try anything else. I'm done with all your stuff your weird potions and all your your blue drinks and all your weird stuff. I'm just done. And I get that. I really do. But I said to him through the bathroom door, actually, I was like, you know, yelling at him through the bathroom door saying, do you feel amazing? And he's like, no. I was like, is your sleep really great? Are you feeling? And he's like, no. I was like, then we're not done. Yeah, I'll give you a break. I'll I'll quit giving you blue potions to drink. (laughs) I hear you. I know that place in myself where I'm like just so done. But also, if you're not feeling good most of the time, you're not done. Like there's, you don't have to feel terrible. You don't even have to feel bad, like not great. (laughs) I mean, you can feel really, really good most of the time. 
And if you don't, then you probably just haven't found your door, your front door, and you haven't found the key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think that's so true, Kelly. And, and like, it's, it's multiple doors. Like you, you do right. trauma work and yeah. I did lots of that. I did all the stuff and then, and then I got to, yeah, to the physical door and the, I needed, I needed the key with the light. And I, I feel like the message, you know, cause so this is like a major paradigm shift, right? Mm-hmm. Right. What happens when we're getting to the end of an old paradigm, which we are with the biochemical approach to health, right? Like it's just not sufficient to mm-hmm. explain what's going on with people anymore. Right. Um, all of the the anomalies start to pile up and it's like, well, just do this, this, and this, and you'll be fine. And it's like, okay, but but I'm not, and she's mm-hmm. not, and he's not, and they're not. And all these, all these anomalies mm-hmm. are piling up. But before that that gets acknowledged all the all of us anomaly people are living in this place where we feel like there's no more answers right. but like that's kind of the message that we get if we if we stop searching mm-hmm. it's like oh well okay i i guess i'm supposed to need three naps a day when i'm 39 years old like okay <laughs> i have another 40 50 years to go this doesn't right like right mm-hmm. um but what I find is like the great good news about all this is that yeah. it's to realize there's so many things that were working against us that we didn't even know. And so we can get out from under that. It opens up a whole new level of feeling better that nobody told us about because they don't know it exists. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's really worth, it's really worth it to keep digging. And I feel, I totally, I hear your son and I've had lots of those moments too. And I think that moment with the spiralizer, I was like, yeah, you know what? Uh-uh. Like yeah. another thing, another thing. Um, and that's also what's fun about light though, is that once you get a, just a few little habits changed, it actually becomes kind of fun. <laughs> right. I find it way more fun to go for a walk outside than spiralize my <laughs> zucchini. Right. Yeah. Or just go hang out in the sun for a bit. So much easier than all of the other stuff that we tried. Yeah. So if people are listening and they're like, wait, what is quantum biology? (laughs) Like, What what are they talking about with light? Perhaps we should talk a little bit more about what that is and um, what we mean by that. Well, so for me, it was there's, you know, there's circadian biology, which explains how we're, we're basically programmed by light. Mm-hmm. And then underneath that, to explain how it is true that we're programmed by light, then we got to go quantum. Right. Um, which is a very, very, very new emerging science. And if anyone on here is a physicist or is married to a physicist, they're going to be like, that's not true. Those ladies are... <laughs> Those ladies are wrong. There's no quantum mechanical processes in warm, wet living systems. That's yeah. And yet there is now evidence that that there is. So I would love, so that's sort of like how how I landed in that. What I'd love to hear your your take on quantum biology. Yeah. So I didn't know it was that new and I didn't think I didn't think anything of it because I'm not a physicist. And Right. right. So I came to it and I was like, oh, this is amazing. These 
these subatomic particles that are inside of our cells. That makes perfect sense to me. Like, of course, they're being influenced by light. That makes, yeah, I didn't realize that they're a whole, like, that that's so new and that people are like, wait, what? Um, that just seemed so natural to me when, right. you know, like, I was <laughs> just like, yes, that's just amazing. And when somebody, yeah, probably Carrie Bennett, you know, one of the instructors that I love um, said, you know, it's, it comes down to these electrons. And I started understanding the gathering of electrons and it really expanded my world of like, it's more than the food. Thank goodness. Because one, people actually really like to change their food. They say they want to, they want to feel better, but we don't actually want to change our food that much. Like there are things we're willing to tweak, like the seed oils and, you know, but you're right. And that was my experience too, is like some people have a lot of issues with the food and we can get really caught up there and it's just, you know, not our thing or it's too much of our thing or whatever. So to learn that there was so much more to gathering electrons and, you know, and it just so many stories flashed in my, from my childhood of like being barefoot and outside and just not worrying you know, about sunscreen on and all of the things and how much better I felt in the times in my life when those things were naturally happening. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that really protected me a lot with the the yo-yos or the Twinkies or whatever we were eating. <laughs> you know, there was so much protection and it made sense to me that what we're in now, we not only are we have the you know weird manufactured food that we're opening packages to eat, so it's confusing our mitochondria, but it's also not none of the other protective things are there. Yeah. We're not running around barefoot outside and we're you know covering from the sun and yes. getting like the latest cool sunglasses and you know, so that that was a long way to answer you. I love it. I love that. No. Um, and it, it's so true because in, you know, I have like a friend who works in uh, pharma and biotechnology and like, he's just like, he looks at me, he's like, I'm like, no, there's, there's science on this. He's like, yeah, pseudoscience. Right. Like, <laughs> and then I have a friend who teaches meditation and she's like, what do you mean people don't know that there's quantum mechanics happening in the human body? Of course there are, right? Like, <laughs> right. It just really depends what, yeah, sort of what paradigm you're operating mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. for this information. And it's, it's, um, you know, I always, you know, I always read, have read for a long time, all the woo-woo books. Yeah. Um, I read other books too, but I always did, read, you know, and they were always talking about quantum mechanics and then the quantum physicists were like, those woo-woo people are twisting our science, <laughs> making it woo-woo. Yeah. Um, but now like there's a lot of the research is really there to show that it, it's not woo-woo, like it's real. Right. And it's really exciting. Like this is, this is published research by academic people who do not want to be wrong. <laughs> right. Their careers yeah. are relying on them not being wrong. And I just think it's so exciting. Like, you know, things at the quantum level, what I think of, it's, you know, we're talking about quantum smallest looking at small, but the mm -hmm. fact that these subatomic particles can change their behavior. 
just by being observed. I'm like, how cool is that? Like, what is that about? That makes me feel something about consciousness, like Mm -hmm. how something can shift just by being observed. Um, That sounds really, you know, not that far out there. It sounds really cool to me. Not that I understand any of, you know, these light bulbs go off and then they're like just there. (laughs) I'm like, man, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I just feel something and it feels exciting. Yeah. And it, and it, it really is right. Because even our understanding of the mitochondria is quite new. So, right. Um, for, for non-biology people, which is me, I didn't know any of these words, uh, up until a few years ago. Uh, so we're, our, our cells are filled with mitochondria, right. And right. there's a researcher called Dr. Doug Wallace, who has shown that most disease is actually mitochondrial dysfunction and not mm-hmm. necessarily genetic. Um, there are a few outliers that are still genetic diseases, but most things that we think about. Yes. Um, so our mitochondria are filled with basically like environmental sensors, right? Mm-hmm. So all of our all of our cells all of the time mm-hmm. are sensing our like are are sensing the frequency of our environment. And if you we go really woo, like light is actually it seems like what light matters. It, once you go quantum, light is actually the most materialistic of all the things that we're sensing. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that, and I, um, all of that information that's coming from light is being picked up by our mitochondria. So when it's junk light, man-made light, it's screwing it up. And when it's natural light, it's helping it, you know, creating a quantum coherence. Right. And that was a metaphor that really helped me mm-hmm. as a non-science person. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. Like, it's like a little, like all these little sensors. Like a little antenna. antenna. Yeah. And if I put my phone on factory settings in front of my eyeballs and my skin in front of those sensors at nine o'clock at night in January in New York state, Mm -hmm. I'm telling my body it's noon in July, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and that, and then everything gets thrown into chaos. Um, so then we get sick and we get tired and fat and all of the things. That's right. And that's what brings us to light. And the, the light is one of the easiest things to tweak. So it's kind of great that that's, you know, when, once you just start making a few changes, like opening the window in front of your computer when you're working and getting blue blockers at night. I think for me, I was really good about, I was religious about sunrise. Like it had become this really important ritual practice for me, no matter where I am or where I'm traveling, I'm up searching for the sunrise. You know, you don't actually have to have a good view. I want to make sure people understand that you don't have to go find the view, but to be out in that light, I was religious about that, but I wasn't really, I didn't become protective of my indoor light till I learned really more about the circadian biology and an understanding quantum biology. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know, missed that piece. Yeah. It's not well, that it wasn't there. It takes a little while to wrap your head around, right? Like yeah. the, the idea that your light bulbs are, are bad for you. Like it's really weird. Yeah. And I, you know, and even like wearing the blue blockers. Yeah. It took me a while. I was, I did a consult with, um, 
Dr. Jack Cruz, like a, a few months into all the research, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I like booked a call with him and I was, he was in the U S and I was in Europe. So it was evening for me and daytime for him. And I get on the call and he's like, where? what time is it where you are? I'm like, I don't know, like eight 30. He's like, where are your blue blockers? And I was like, yes. I got on a call with Dr. Cruz at night with no blue blockers on. And I was like, you really serious about that? Like that really works. And he was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. But it just, you know, I always, I like to tell that story because I was reading all the research. I was listening to all the things I was listening to him explain why you needed to wear them and how they worked. But I just couldn't, I mean, I was had a lot of chronic fatigue brain fog, so I was a little slow. Yeah. But like, I just couldn't, like, I just couldn't get there until he yeah. like yelled at me in my face. And I was like, oh, right. I'm being an idiot <laughs> sitting right. in front of the computer without any protection at night with the, you know, the blue light like blazing into my eyeballs. Right. Oh, I love that though. And I love that he just didn't, he, he, no, he didn't just gloss over that and keep talking to you. He's like, no, 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 no you've got to be protected while we're talking. Yeah. Um, that's funny because yeah. most practitioners won't do that. Um, so that's yeah, just, no, he's his, not most people. He is not, he <laughs> is a like, unique human being. Just yell at you. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. That's funny. So I'm like, okay, so take me to how did you start quantum TV? Did, which came first quantum TV or the quantum biology collective? Yes. So quantum health TV came out of the um, fact that so then my I started to get into this and my husband was like what are you doing and I brought him on the call with Dr. Cruz and then Dr. Cruz yelled at him he's like all right I'm in <laughs> okay all right well if you have a skeptical partner bring them on bring them on a call sometime oh I'm um, gonna have to do that okay mental <laughs> made a note thanks uh-huh. uh so we just we started researching and researching and we were like wow this is amazing all this all the research is there. There was like, I think it was 2017, 2018, they gave the Nobel prize to a guy who'd been studying circadian rhythms in flies or something, you know? So there was a Nobel prize. We're like, oh, well now everyone's going to start talking about it. And then nothing. And then there was a great article in 2019 in um, outside magazine called Mm -hmm. sunscreen is the new margarine. Uh Nice. Yeah. Love it, was, it. it was, it was really great. He did a really great job, like just very gently being like, Hmm, maybe we're oh, being a little overprotective here. And that there are some benefit health benefits to being in the sun. And that became the most downloaded article in the history of outside magazine. Wow. So I was like, okay, here we go. Now everyone's going to start talking about it. Nothing. And uh, what happened for us was that during COVID, um, you know, our world kind of got turned upside down and we ended up, my husband ended up taking a sabbatical and we moved to Louisiana for a year and he's in marketing and I have a background in coaching and, and media. And we were like, what if we're the ones that are supposed to organize this information? (laughs) So we just started, started very slowly, like making videos and interviewing as many experts as we could find on the topic and organizing the information for people who were not in a place where they were going to spend like hundreds of hours sifting Mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome. 
stuff. Like I'm getting teary because I'm like, isn't it amazing how the universe will work and how we just are like, oh no, I can't be the one that's supposed to do that. And then you're like, apparently you are. So, <laughs> and you do, it's beautifully done. So whatever your background is, like the videos, I, I'm very, you know, inspired. The material's great, but the presentation is really well done. And so I knew you must have some background to figure that piece out. Yeah. Um, very well done. Thank you, Kelly. I really, really appreciate that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For anyone who has a little voice where there's some project, they're like, when is someone going to do that? Well, yeah, maybe it's you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then the the amazing part has been the people that come, right? Like meeting you and, and everyone comes and brings a different, like a slightly different flavor. And then they they ingest and internalize this new understanding and then they go out and do all these amazing things, all these wonderful things. The people are very cool. It's And it's just nice to be with other people that are curious like this. I mean, just trying to help people or themselves or their families, those are the people who come, who have reached a point of like, there has to be some other key that we're missing. There has, you know, or they've figured it out for themselves, like a lot of the, the docs have yeah. figured these things out. And so just, it's just a lot of yeah. really cool people in the, and then the quantum yeah. biology collective came. Is that how that? Yeah. Worked? So that grew out of, we, we first were just presenting, doing the videos mm-hmm. um, and we just were paying attention to what people needed. And we realized the need was for a, a practitioner, practitioner level training, because mm-hmm. most people just wanted to understand what to do. Yeah. Like they just, it, they were like, yeah. okay, I, okay. I believe you. Like what kind of light bulbs do I buy? Right. Right. So right. we, we realized that, that the layer that needed to understand this information were the people working with, with the, the people, clients, the patients, mm-hmm. and the people who are unwell. Mm-hmm. So my first thought was like, well, you know, like the, the naturopathic colleges or the medical schools. So I started asking all these doctors when I interviewed them, how long till they're going to teach this? <laughs> they were all like, oh, like at least 20 years. Right. That's, and that's, so I, I was like, but the research is all here now. And they're like, yeah, but this is institutional education. It right. takes decades to change. Mm-hmm. So I started looking into it and there's, there's something called the translational gap, which is sort of that gap between a new discovery, whether it's like, penicillin or mm-hmm. hand washing or like, hand washing or yeah. the fact that you know <laughs> the sun that we live in a heliocentric universe like whatever it is mm-hmm. there's a gap between knowing that to you know finding it out the discovery and the and the integration of it as a as an accepted oh, practice. okay practice in, in in education too got it yeah. So whether it's, yeah, putting something new on the market or, e- but even just getting new ideas into the street, into the information flow, uh-huh. um, takes a really long time. Right. So I'm like, well, we live in a decentralized world now, right? right. We don't have to wait for those institutions to catch up. Um, we just build it. Right. We just we build are. it. Building are, it. Yeah. <laughs> you're building it. I'm so grateful because I don't even know how I ended up here, but I am just, 
because I thought I kind of already knew stuff. I had taken some of Carrie Bennett's workshops and it just, it just brought it all home in a way that was really helpful for me personally, professionally. So I really, I'm so glad that you did because I've done, I can't tell you how many degrees and trainings and certifications I've done. And this is the first time that I've really felt um, like this is just so powerful and so simple, but so powerful. So I'm grateful that you did, that you followed that little voice and said, well, let's put it together then um, for the rest of those that need it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm, I'm really moved to hear that's your experience. And, and we do hear mm-hmm. that. It, and as I was mm-hmm. saying, it's people from different backgrounds, right? Like mental right. health or naturopathic or, um, you know, fitness people. Right. And they're like, this is connecting all the dots, right? Like there's, there's pieces of wisdom that they knew from their experience and their own mm-hmm. knowledge. And And now they're like, oh, that's why this works. Or that's how to connect it back to this. Mm -hmm. Filling in all these, all these dots. It's yeah. Yeah. So you interviewed some of the most amazing people you've gotten. And that's got to be super fun for you that you've gotten to talk to all these doctors and ophthalmologists, neurologists, um, cardiologists, like all of these people. I don't know if you can sum that up or if you have some takeaways that, you know, just the things that really seemed to have stuck with you through those interviews. You've mentioned some of them, but I wondered if there's anything else that you want to share about all of that. Sure. Yeah. It's one of the things that most of them, not all of them, most of them have in common. Mm -hmm. Um, well, actually no, about half, right. Is that they struggled with some sort of illness themselves. Right. Um, like Dr. Jay Montgomery, who's mm-hmm. an ophthalmologist. ophthalmologist. Yeah. He does eye surgery all day long at a clinic. Um, he was having some kind of you know, neurodegenerative situation that nobody could explain. Mm-hmm. And he was on, it got, it was getting worse and worse to the point where he was on multiple medications. Um, he was, this was a person who, mm-hmm. um, ate paleo and did CrossFit like three times, three to four times a week. Like, right. right? Like, this was not, this was not an unhealthy person by any traditional measure. Right. Um, and nobody could explain what was happening, mm-hmm. why his, his brain was not working anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they, the best that they could offer him, you know, as it was getting worse and worse, they're like, well, we could try operating. We mm-hmm. could just take out the part of your brain that's not working. And he was like, that doesn't seem smart, that. right? <laughs> I'll keep that part. Thanks. Um, yeah. Uh, so that sent him down the rabbit hole and he somehow came across the work of, of Dr. Cruz and started going down and was able to trace the the origins of his symptoms to when his practice switched over to electronic records um, and he, his day became almost a hundred percent screen-based. Right. Oof. As he's looking for the surgery, you look through those things, you know, you look through yeah. the little magnifying things that are lit. Uh, but then you spend the whole, any time you're not in surgery, he was on, yeah. on a screen. Records and yep. Yeah. And he, so he over time reversed. And so I think that that's a huge, that that's something that I, I, 
really found with a lot of these mm -hmm. practitioners. Mm -hmm. um, and then a lot of them just became very disillusioned with their jobs and their training and what they were prepared for. Mm -hmm. And they were realizing that by the time they got, people got in front of them, it was bad quite late. I don't want to say too late, but very late in the game. And they mm -hmm. knew that there were, there would have been ways to help people earlier, mm -hmm. but they weren't prepared for it and they weren't trained for it. Right. Yes. Uh, they mm -hmm. all, you know, so they, another thing that they all a hundred percent of them have in common is that they are in private practice and they do not operate in large mm -hmm. <laughs> insurance-based models, which don't have any space for preventative care. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They all had that. And yeah, those are, I love the theme. I appreciate that, Meredith, as a qualitative researcher, when you said, so the themes, I'm like, yes, that's what I'm after. Okay. What did you glean from, yeah. you know, what are the themes that you keep kind of coming up? So we talked about light, but I just got curious about like, what other changes, um, specific kinds of changes do you, are your favorite in the whole quantum techniques, circadian biology, what are the things that you've changed that you felt like really made a big difference? So the first one was, yeah, spending more time outside, opening right. windows, yeah. unless it's pouring rain, I always have my sunroof open or, or yeah. the window cracked if I'm on the highway. Yes. Um, and mm -hmm. that it also enhances my mood because I know I'm doing something <laughs> healthy. Right. Like, so it's very fun in that way. Right. They're like, oh, I'm, I just totally. opened my head crack and now, and, and now I'm like helping. That's all I had to do. I love that. That is true. Uh, I find the same thing when you're evaluating the day at the end yeah. of the day and you're like, all these, I cracked my window. I sat in front of a cracked yeah. window. Yay, me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, and to antidote it, right. If I'm in a situation where I've been under a really crappy light, I'm like, I'm just going to go outside and have a sun break. And I know that I'm pranking. So yeah, just going outside more and, and appreciating the value of that. Right. Definitely a right. big one. Um, we changed our light bulbs. We do, we have lamps in our house with incandescent bulbs and those are on in the evening. Mm -hmm. Um, which is not like, it's not that big a deal. Like everyone, cause you, 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 people do think, cause most homes now have all these recessed lightings with these huge bright LEDs. And it's like, don't replace all those. I mean, if you want to, you can, there's ways to do it, but yeah. we just don't turn them on. Right. <laughs> That's the <only> way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and in the, in the, in the rooms that we use in the evening, we have lamps with incandescent bulbs. Yep. I have a little Amber reading lamp light that I used to read before bed from a book yeah. I was reading I was reading uh -huh. books on the iPad uh -huh. when I for discovered this information I would be reading what books about chronic fatigue on my iPad before I went to sleep wondering <laughs> in the bright light uh, you might not have you might have been next to a lamp but still it's just yes. right right LEDs on. yes um and then the the last thing and we did this a little bit later and I was, I was really surprised at what a big difference it made is that we moved, um, we moved our dinner earlier. Yep. Right. Cause the, cause right. food is circadian input. So you want to like eat breakfast, mm -hmm. you know, within about a half hour of getting up, 
Um, but you also want to have like a totally empty stomach when you go to sleep because the, the food is a is another circadian input telling your body it's daytime. Right. And uh, it was a really fun experiment that I totally encourage people to try. We did not change what we were eating at all. We just right. stopped eating earlier. Yeah, you started and eating earlier. All exactly. lost weight and we all slept better <laughs> like immediately. It's amazing. Uh-huh. That was a really fun one. I, that is that is amazing. Just shifting. So in all of your work with people and listening, I mean, do people utilize fasting? Because when we're talking about circadian, I've really changed my understanding, my belief and, and just shifted it earlier. So we're still fasting overnight. Yeah. But but I'm still I'm sort of on the fence at the moment about utilizing fasting for longer periods. I don't know if you have thoughts about that, if you care. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't totally get into all of the stuff. So I know there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about fasting. I do see a recommendations of having like a shorter they say feeding window window Mm -hmm. really enjoy as a term. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. Say like opportunities to have a meal. There you go. Yeah. Um, that. Mm-hmm. And I do see people recommending like not eating until the middle of the day. And then mm-hmm. and I would say from a circadian perspective, yeah, if you're going to fast, you would want to eat breakfast in the morning and stop eating very, very early in Earlier. the day. You really mm-hmm. want that meal window to be short. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing too. That makes sense to me from our circadian perspective. But I think it's the challenge is shifting these. um, You've been doing something uh, your whole life a certain way, or even six months a certain way. You believe that it's helpful, and now you're getting new information. It's that paradigm shift for people. Like, what the light's important when I'm eating is probably more important than what I'm eating. What? Um, Yeah. So it's just shifting for people. Yeah, it is. And we have, we have, yeah, that, that response where we hear something and we're like, this is the thing, right? Like, and we get really attached to it as an idea. Um, mm-hmm. you know, then we hear other conflicting information and then we want to be like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> that can't be right because I found the thing. <laughs> I know. I know. So it I, is, yeah, yeah. Continually adapting. Yeah. Well, I'm mindful of our time too. So I'm just like, hmm, what else? I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours, Meredith. So it's fun. I could I know. I'm like, okay, well, so what's really nourishing to your soul? You're doing all this stuff. I'm super grateful that you're putting it all out in the world and making it available to people that can't be easy as well as being a, a mother and a wife and all the things that you do. So what really nourishes your soul? Oh, that's a lovely question and and a good question because one of the pieces to um, the chronic fatigue for me was, and this was the last piece that I put in, that I figured out after, you know, like, well, I got to fix this and I got to fix that. But actually what I realized I was doing is that I was sort of um, overspending on my energy, right? So I would make all of these changes to restore my energy and then I'd use and then I'd add more stuff. 
because I was just so used to always being at the line and it didn't feel, mm. it felt, it actually felt uncomfortable to have space in my life. Oh, interesting. Uh, so I, would, I kept, so the soul question is very interesting because mm-hmm. uh, it's a crucial part of, of the whole process, right? Like if I am unable to have the time to know, to A, know what does nourish my soul and B, to mm-hmm. include it in my life, um, I'm not going to get better. Right. I'm not going to be better. I'm going to keep pushing past that line. Right. So mm-hmm. nourishing my soul, I would definitely say spending time with my children. Mm-hmm. I'm not a person who like gets down on the floor and plays with them, but I just like to be around them. I, I like to be home when they're home and listen to them, tell me things and watch their journey and watch mm-hmm. them get interested in stuff and learn things and and I'm like, oh, this one's really into music. Okay. And like, oh, so is this one, but in a totally different way. Like, that's so interesting to me. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I feel really grateful that I somehow ended up in a place where mm-hmm. I appreciate just who they are. And of course, mm-hmm. I have moments where I'm, you know, of course, <laughs> yeah. no, but like, right. Don't right. talk with your mouth full and put your blue blockers on if you're going to play Fortnite and blah, 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 blah. right. But I, I do find that every day I try to find those moments where I'm just like, oh. yeah, <laughs> for my children. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. My 20 year old, I got him from the airport last night and I woke up this morning and there's just something so comforting about having a full house where everybody's here even if they don't all stay here for, you know, the weekends coming up. So we'll probably lose one of them to friends and stuff. But I just, yeah, to really um, take in who they are as people. Yes. I, as opposed to all the things that we have to do for them or with them or to them, you know, just to take a, just a, a minute to, to be in awe of who they are as people. Yes. That's really fun. Yeah. That can be very nourishing um, in the midst of all the chaos of three kids. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's also, yeah, I do also things that are completely just for myself. Usually, Um, you know, there there are self-care things, which I'm also bad about, but I'm getting more I'm getting better at putting them in my calendar. Um, and then I also just, you know, need to go to some really weird esoteric places sometimes and read, mm-hmm. read books and literature that are just, that just sort of take me out of the here and now and the hustle bustle of day-to-day life and expand my consciousness to a place where I'm like, Oh, Mm -hmm. reminds you of, I don't know how small and how magnificent all of it is. So I get that. Um, Yeah. What are some of these places? Do we need to meet at some of these weird esoteric (laughs) places? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then, yeah, do like a meditation from, from that space that kind of like, you know, it's like that tingly feeling where when you were little, um, 
and you watched a movie about magic or someone read you a story about magic and you had that like tingly feeling. Yeah. I really think that we get, we get to have that as grownups mm-hmm. and whether even if I need to just suspend my disbelief of all the grown-up things I know about the world and just let magic be real and feel that tingly feeling. Oh, love it. That's beautiful. I am so appreciative of your time. Um, I will make sure that people know how to get to the quantum health TV (laughs) and to all of the things that we talked about. Is there anything else that we missed that you wanted to share? Um, yeah, I think I would just say, I just want to share that, like, it's, yeah, it's really possible. You said this earlier, Kelly, it's mm-hmm. possible to feel good. You it know? is. All it- right. Just let ourselves off the hook of all the thoughts that are mm-hmm. convincing us. It's not okay to feel good or there's no way to do it. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate so much that you brought up the, um, when you get used to living like right next to the edge or whatever we would call that, that it can be actually uncomfortable to be free. And so people are like, yes, I want freedom. Yes. I want to feel fantastic, but it can actually feel quite disorienting. And so just to know that that's part of the process of it too. And yes. let that just be, you know? Absolutely. And that was a big learning curve for me. I, <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I just want to feel okay. I just want to feel. And then it occurred to me one day when I was able to observe my patterns, as you were saying, I'm like, oh, I'm actively doing things to make, to make situations where I don't feel okay. And then I'm like, oh, cause I don't even know what that would feel like. I don't have that as an, yeah. feel it as a goal. And I found this meditation. I don't, I wish I could remember where I heard it because I would give this person credit because I used it my whole life. But anyway, he was like, he was like, for five minutes, just pretend everything's okay. Ooh, I like that. Oh, okay. And I couldn't do five minutes. I would do like 30 seconds to a minute. And I was like, this is what it feels like. All right. (laughs) And I, I really started to notice that when, that I would pull myself out of that feeling of okay. Mm -hmm. And I had to put myself there. Like I had to lie to myself and pretend. And then my mind would be like, there's this and there's this and there's this. And I'd be like, yeah, okay. Just for five minutes, you don't exist. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And now I can visit that place every day. Right. I love that because, you know, There's a practitioner that's pretty popular that talks about being able to visualize, you know, the other side. What is it? And I found that I thought I could do that. But in actuality, looking back, I didn't know what it felt like to feel amazing. So how was I supposed to imagine that? And how are you supposed to feel that? So I like that practice of just just for 30 seconds. Pretend like it's all good. You're all really good and you feel great. And it's all, you know, just to start that practice of letting because your mind it's a great tool but it also gets in the way and so we've got to put it in its place and help it find its place so that we can create some space and then begin to feel what it might feel like if you really felt okay all the time 
what would that be like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate that because I think that's hard to explain until you've been through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe yeah, you don't. No, it, it doesn't make sense to everyone, but to people who, who for whom it makes sense. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So for the people who that didn't make sense, that's okay. Let that go. <laughs> <laughs> Just know that it's hopeful. The, the, the point is that it's hopeful and that that at any time you if you're open to it the universe can support you even in the midst of what feels awful yeah yes yeah, yeah. well thank you Meredith so much for it's being good. here it was a, it was an absolute pleasure thank you so much yeah I love our conversation This has been the Quantum Biology Collective Podcast. To find a practitioner who works from this point of view, visit our directory at quantumbiologycollective.org. If you are a practitioner, definitely check out our Applied Quantum Biology Certification to consider as part of your continuing education plan. You can also just jump into our email community. We'd love to hear from you. Again, that's at quantumbiologycollective.org.